Welcome to the game of life, where you and everyone around you are playing to win. There's only one catch, and it sure is a tricky one. Your only opponent is you. I love that. And I love seeing life as a game. It's such an awesome way to, to interact with the world. I think it's a very interesting and fun and necessary perspective to take because let's break down the analogy of life as a game. I reckon within a game that you play, you're playing to win. So there's a goal, there's a purpose, but you also don't want to take it so seriously that you can't enjoy yourself. That's it. If you grip on too tightly, then you'll just end up having a bad time and just completely becoming depressed or sad for some reason. The lighthearted nature is very important. Because games are supposed to be fun, right? And that's one thing I like about um, the Jewish religion is that they believe that life is supposed to be joy. And one of the things they, they try and push a lot of is if anything's inhibiting your joy, well, that's a problem. And that's quite a high-priority problem. And that's awesome to have joy as such a prominent part of any belief system. Totally agree. So... As every game has, there are rules. And I think there are some things not to do. Like uh, in Monopoly, you don't try and steal your friend's money when they're in the toilet. You know, that's cheating, right? And so there are ways that you can ruin the game for you and for others. And those, there's, there's many different ways to do so. But the first way I think is really uh, important. And it's the most prominent one when I think about the game or life as a game, is division and separation. And that's why I want to emphasize that, you know, there, there is this necessity of seeing that life is a game, but really understanding that you are playing that game with yourself. Mm. The people around you are not your opponents. Your mm. biggest enemy, your greatest challenger, your greatest competition is yourself and the various facets of your psyche. You know, it's your mindset that makes or breaks you. And too often people, including us, fall into division and separation. And that is when we start to forget or start to think that we are playing the game with those around us. And yeah. and that's why Jesse and I have chosen to speak to this topic because I think that the division and separation is getting a little out of hand. Oh, it's it's apeshit. It's 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 long out of control. And I, you go. Sorry, and just quickly, I think in today's hyper-conscious society, people are way more aware than they were before. There is such a potential to observe this behavior within yourself. So this, you know, I think we're calling everyone, including ourselves, out right now. Oh, yeah. But in order to liberate everyone yeah. from these shackles that are, you know, not, not, not existent in the grand scheme of things. Mm. They make us uh, grip onto the game too tightly and be too focused on the outcome rather than enjoying it as a game and seeing it as joy. Um, but I wanted to ask you, actually, what are the main ways that you see division and separation as an issue or, or how, how do you perceive that part of the game? Great question. The reason that this has come up for me recently and, the, and why I thought it was something to talk about here and now mm. is driven by what I see in society and on media and social media regarding the, the COVID-19 situation. And it stems from people either claiming to be anti or pro-vax and really starting to push their opinions, which is one thing, but then beginning to cull people from their lives if they do not share the same opinion. And I'm seeing this in radical ways where it's it's really like, oh, I used to love and admire you and your work, but you are pro-vax, so I can no longer 
engage in your work. I have to unfollow you on social media. I have to unfriend you. Um, you know, it goes between people and celebrities that they used to admire, people and friends that they used to have. And it's getting a little out of control. It is getting a little bit out of control. The way I see it is you've already lost the game when you've started to separate other humans from being a part of the whole race. So you almost see them as dead to you or like their existence is not worth them existing. Uh, I'm not really wording that well, but I think you, I think you know what I mean, right? It's dismissal. It's, Dis- that's the word. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Dismissal. When you are able to dismiss someone and separate them from the unity that is humanity, then you've lost. And since we seem to keep really coming back to this staunch analogy of life is a game, I guess that is the title of the episode, so it makes sense. Division is stagnation in the grand scheme of the game, right? Why? When you're playing, when you're playing a game of anything, a board game or a uh, athletic game, you know, a soccer game. I know what people play. Um, you don't want, you don't ever want to stop. You don't ever want to stagnate. You keep rolling the dice. You keep kicking the ball. You keep moving, and so. Again, reminder that we are playing against ourselves, not the people around us. The people around us provide context for the game. They are the Mm. playing pieces. We use them to see where we are at, where we are going. And, you know, they're they're a pillar of or they're a reflection of our motion through our own game of life. And so I think that when you begin to divide and you begin to cull and you begin to deem certain people and facets of existence as insignificant and meaningless, then you begin to stagnate because you are working against your world and not with it. So you're kind of moving away from the reflection instead of, towards it and into it and what i'm going to get into what i'd love to get into later in this episode is this interplay between being too much in your world and being too self-involved and there's a very delicate balance that needs to play out Mm. i love the idea of seeing everyone as a reflection of yourself seeing everything and everyone around you as mirrors for you and if they trigger you, well, they're just mirroring things that you dislike and that's for you to work on now. And if people are holding really staunch and seemingly unjustified and irrational opinions and they're in your line of sight, like all you see around you is stupid people with stupid opinions, then what are you holding within yourself? <laughs> Who's the problem really? Who's the problem? Yeah. yeah. Why do you think their opinions matter so much? Why do you hold them with such high high regard or... Why do you place so much importance upon the way they're playing their game Yeah. as opposed to the way you're playing yours? Because you're getting stuck in division. You're labeling them as stupid or stupid opinions and it, it affects you emotionally. So from that perspective, they're not trying to affect you emotionally, but you bumped into this lady at the store and she had a stupid thing to say and you went home and now you're seething about it. Well, she was just a mirror. So if it affected you, then you were vulnerable in some way, right? Absolutely. Why were you vulnerable? Aha, uh-huh. there's the question. And she didn't do anything to you. You let her affect you. Mm-hmm. There was a wound that she pressed on. Yeah. And if, it, if the wound wasn't open, well, if she had pressed anywhere else, it would have been fine. But she pressed on that wound. And whether you could see it or not, it's definitely there emotionally if it triggers you so hard. So yeah, division and separation, definitely the first and most crucial point. And an interesting little, um, oh, there's a word for it. I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a little thematic scenario that Jesse and I have come back to over the years when we sort of touch on conversations that relate to this, which is, I call it in my head now, the Michael Jackson analogy, Oh, okay. which is, um, when you love someone and you love what they do, and then you find out something about them doesn't align with your morals and values doesn't make what they do obsolete such a hard question and i'm so happy to be opening this up here there's no easy answer to this and there's no right or wrong answer to any of this but if i had to (laughs) open it up first what i would say is that art and creation is art and creation right people's actions are people's actions Now, are people putting hate into their art or are they putting love into their art? In Michael Jackson's context, 
did he write all the music or was he just a singer? How much of it was written by him? How much of it was producers? How much of it was his bandmates? We don't really know the formula. I don't think anyone besides people involved know the formula. So the only thing to say about that is what is justified for you to hate someone? Because you can hate someone or you can just disagree with their actions and still appreciate them as a human being. Should, should you cut someone's existence out of your mind and ignore them as a human being, dismiss them, as you said, because of their actions? I don't have the answer. What do you think? That's a really interesting distinction to make as well. I was like, what is, what is he talking about? Is he, is he going off on a tangent? But I think you're right. Do you just like hate is such an irrational state? Right. Hate. Well, hatred is, is I, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily irrational because it can seem justified, but in no, terms it's of irrational, the, you're yeah, right. in terms of the emotional body and, and the state of stress that we go into when mm. we feel hatred towards something or someone, um, I think it is irrational and indignified because you can look at someone and you can say, Oh, I fucking hate them. I'm no longer going to support anything that they do, anything they've ever done. They're dead to me. Or you can say, God, it's such a shame how things turned out, but man, did they create some incredible stuff. And I think it's so important to be able to do that. And I think that this is where us as humans, our critical thought processes start to come into play. Mm. And I think that us as humans in the modern age, we should be pushing ourselves to test our awareness and to think critically at every opportunity that we get. Now, if you think in terms of the self, we always talk about needing to be in the present moment, right? Because we get so easily attached to and identified with our past and our future. And and in particular, where we've been, what we've done, what we've been through. But when it comes to someone else, we seem to take them at face value and to ignore the context that surrounds them. And so what I think causes this separation, division, hatred, dismissal is an inability to look at someone and feel into their backstory mm. and their context. Yes, this person just shot someone, but what did they go through in their upbringing that pushed them to this limit? Where were they at in their state of mind? Were they all there? Have they mm. had head injury after head injury? Were they mentally ill? Were they sexually abused? Were they pushed to their limits? Did someone just shoot their mother? We just... We can never know all the variables that lead up to someone acting a certain way. And I'm not saying it ever justifies someone's behavior, but I think that when we think of people, we need to come at them from that approach where it's like, cool, I don't agree with you and I don't wish to engage with you. That's okay. But I can, I can respect why you are the way you are and where you are at. doesn't mean I have to like you, but you know, but you don't have to hate them, but you don't have to hate them. So that's, that's one aspect. And just quickly, the second aspect of this Michael Jackson argument is mm. that I think any artist will tell you that from within the state of flow, things come through you. Mm -hmm. Really, you get to this point where you don't, there's no thought involved. You just look down three or four hours later and you just think, where the hell did this come from? It's incredible. Mm. I don't know how I did this. And so there's also that element to sometimes what people do and what they put out comes from this place of such purity mm. and such, such an essence that is removed from thought and from humanity that it's not fair to attach their art so strongly to the sins that they've committed in their lifetime. I totally hear that. Um, I do think it's important to think about their intention as well. When they had, when they, when they were making said art, was their intention to help people? Were the lyrics designed to help people? What were they trying to do versus what did they do? So that's another, another, another aspect to consider on top of it. Intention's a very important thing because maybe you didn't intend to go out and kill someone but someone pulled a gun on you and you killed them first and saved your own life and then bam, like you, you're in jail now for 10 years for murder. 
So awful situation, right? But what was the intention? If only there was a proper way to figure this out in court, I feel like it would make things a lot more complicated and perhaps maybe not a good idea. But from the other perspective, you'd really get to see which soul is pure versus which one had the evil inclination. And um, the other thing that you mentioned before um, is the backstory. That's a really important part of the narrative is to, is to well, you, ha- you hate 50-year-old ladies because someone came into your, an old 50-year-old lady came into your house and killed your mom and you watched it when you were 10 or something. Awful situation. But now you, every person you see with black curly hair sends you into a, a crazy rage and you don't know why. Now, and there, there are people in similar situations in the world and obviously horrible things do happen. But the, uh, the backstory is a very important thing to understand because really when it comes to loving and accepting people, it, to me it comes down to understanding and appreciation. And I've said that to you many times. And understanding and appreciation, that's what you said. But what was their backstory? Well, first, my brain goes, understand, right? So that's the first question. What was their backstory? Why? Why and was there any intention or was this spontaneous? What's going on there? And, and then the second thing is appreciate. So even if you disagree, even if you want nothing to do with this person or their actions or anyone like that forever, you have to appreciate that they exist because when you don't, you end up feeling hate and resentment and hate is just like holding on to a burning rock. So it comes back to our first point. Well, what are your priorities? Are your priorities to have a high moral ground and, 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 and attach your ego and, to that? And dominate over the other people who are not even playing the same game as you are? Exactly. And that's actually a good point as well. Domination, that's a real good point. Because then you can put yourself as above. Oh, you disagree with me? Well, you're just the scum of the earth. And then you can see yourself as better than and therefore dismiss the others. And honestly, that's that's a slippery slope, man, because you are going to end up in a place where you separate so much of humanity from yourself. And I think that's one of the key crucial ingredients to the beautiful recipe of midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> So true. Um, so w- w- everything that you just mentioned involves a whole lot of stillness and self-reflection, mm. right? A lot of calm within yourself. And you need to come to a state of clarity within yourself in order t- to see something play out and also have all of this in the back of your head like realize what's at play here. Realize it's so much more than what you see. Realize there's so much more to this story than what it seems. Mm. And so that is a very self-reflective process to understand the other that brings you back to yourself. And this is what I am noticing within all of this division and separation. People are getting so sucked into other people's narratives Mm. where this is where this pendulum swing starts to occur, this psychotic pendulum swing between obsession with the way other people are acting and then obsession with the self, but there's no progression within those points of view. So the separation is look at what they're doing or even even in the opposite direction, idolizing what someone does. Yeah. Oh, they're so beautiful. They're so perfect. I want to be like that. I'm going to do my makeup like them. I'm going to whatever, you know, and then, and then pendulum swinging in the opposite direction and trying to embody something that you admire in someone else or just, you know, there's this, there's this swing between obsession with other and obsession with self and where, how do you find that middle ground um, between it's that quote that Jesse shared with me earlier is actually a quote by Jesus Christ, which I had no idea, which oh, yeah. <laughs> is how do you be in the world, but not of it? Because I think this is what it comes down to where you're getting obsessed with your own narrative and then you're getting obsessed with the other and you're getting stuck in this same place and you're not progressing. How do you begin to shift and progress and move forwards from there? How do you realign yourself with a right path? How do you know what's right for you? I think to rule out what's wrong for you and to work on your purpose is important Um, and to find that for yourself as well and obviously follow passion and joy and also spread positivity. But it's funny, you mentioned the 
getting caught up in the, in the narrative and being in this world but not of it. I've heard that quote a lot and uh, it's stuck with me over the years because it took me a long time to really unpack it. I agree. I didn't get it for a long time and I still mm. think there's a lot to unpack. So much, yeah. really. Um, my understanding of it right now, which will definitely change, is that you want to be in the world and interact with it, but you don't want to be attached to the drama and um, I guess negative traits, negative traits that are reflective of too much ego. So don't be attached. Don't be greedy. Don't be jealous. Don't be angry. Don't hold resistance. Don't be dominating, right? Those kinds of characteristics show that you're in this world and definitely of this world mm -hmm. and you're into everything that's going on and you're holding hate because 85 million people hate this person so you hate them too and now you're all you know what i mean you're attaching yourself to to cling to and this just comes from our need for belonging as humans and our need to fit into a community which is so prevalent and so necessary um but also ends up hurting yourself and everyone around you if it's uniting over hate and uh, <laughs> i always have a funny thought in my head whenever people try to talk to me with a complaint i just give them silence because I'm not bonding with you over you being attached, you know. I'm not, I, I'll give them a smile. I'll, I'll give. I'll show them that you're human and I love you and I respect you and I hear you. But I'm not perpetuating the rubbish. So, not being of this world comes down to not being attached to the narratives that are a part of, I guess, slowing down the progression of humanity. But that's just what it means to me right now. How, how about you? <laughs> Yeah, so for me, being in this world but not of it, to bring it back to the game analogy once again, means to keep reminding yourself that you are playing your own game mm. in the context of your world. You are playing your game for yourself, but you still have to be in the world. Because what I face, this internal conflict I face within myself is, okay, I've been too sucked into my world. But then that pendulum swing for me is intense withdrawal where I go way too far into myself. Oh, I got to get away from my world. I got to get away from people. You know, I got to come back mm. to myself. But that's not how you come back to yourself either because like you said, we are communal creatures. We are human beings. We live in a society. We have to contribute. We, we have an innate need to connect. Anyone who thinks that they prefer solitude is probably denying a part of themselves or is a very rare type of person. Mm. And so when I hear that, I want to ask myself, wait, what does it mean to be again? What does it mean to be me, be in this world, but not of it? Okay, so I don't want to be of it. I want to be of me. So I feel this really strong pull to come back to what life means to me and for me, not for anyone else. Who cares what I think that some else tells me that my life should mean what does it mean to me and for me and how do I realign myself with my path and my purpose because that is your way through your own bullshit and that is your way through the bullshit of the world right because we can get sucked in by both the best and the worst of any experience, yeah. but we need to keep progressing towards our goal of completion within this lifetime. And so path and purpose and presence, that's why I, re I really chose those three words really specifically because I've been doing a lot of, of reflecting on how easily I personally get caught up and how fundamentally necessary it is for me to come back to the present moment. Like alarm bells ringing, Danica, drag yourself back. How hard, I mean, we hear all this, be here now, be present, take a deep breath. But we fucking need to keep hearing that shit over and over because there is something always trying to bring us out of ourselves. And so that is 
So, you know, our our opposition is ourselves via our world because Mm. when we get distracted easily, the distractions will be there. But when we have the ability to attain and hold a sense of clarity within ourselves. In presence. In presence, life is clear from shit. And so that's how I mean, you know, use your world to read where you are at. If shit is chaotic on the outside, quieten on the inside. And once you quieten down, you gain perspective. Oh, so like shit's loud. Like, blah, 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 ah, fucking this and that, vax, anti-vax, pro-vax. And you're just like, cool, okay, I need to step away. I need to take a breather. Once you get quiet, you see the noise, but you can start to see, oh, all right, she's probably preaching that because of this and that, and he's probably doing this because this and that. And you can start to think more critically and more reflectively about what's going on around you from this place of silence within yourself. And you can see the mechanisms at play surrounding you. And then you can bring that to the way that you live your life. And then you take that step forwards from this liberated place of, ah, I'm quiet and I'm calm and I see. And I'm, I'm going to choose how to be maybe a little bit like her, maybe not like him. Let's go from there. Mm. I think only when you do take things from that quiet, calm place within yourself, when you come at something from a place of peace, that's when you can start to incorporate understanding and appreciation and therefore love and therefore integrating humanity in your mind rather than separating or killing off a whole portion of people because they believe x instead of z integrating humanity i love that because it is a part of us that needs to be integrated mm. just like every other part of us mm-hmm. right yeah. we are humanity we are human beings and man there's a lot of ugly shit to integrate mm. but in this spectrum of existence that we are in in this plane of third dimensional reality in like abiding by the laws of our tangible physics, everything that is possible has to occur. So we cannot have a world without darkness because mm. that would not provide context for the light. And so you can't hate on another person for providing you with the context. Yeah. You can't, they have to, you, if they were erased, you would, a part of your brain would be erased too. Mm. And you in your lifetime need to experience all the darkness so you can experience all the rest. Yeah. One would even argue that if you want to experience the light, you have to go through the darkness. And um, the other part of separating yourself from people, I believe a big part of this is is turning people into nouns. As, um, as Brian Callen says in his, in his show, Complicated Apes, um, very interesting show, like philosophically speaking. And that is a very fucked thing to do. And he explains it much better than I ever could. The labeling these days <laughs> is so fascinating. It's next level. It's too much of it. Yeah. It's you click on the Instagram much. bios and you read word, 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 word. And you think, wait a second, why the fuck are you telling me this? Yeah. What? You, you think this is who you are? Mm. And, and even with the whole anti-vax, pro-vax thing, let me be clear. I don't give a fuck. I am neither anti nor pro-vax because I'm just like, cool, whatever. I'll, I'll do something if I'm forced to do it. And if I don't have to do it, I won't fucking do it. And whatever you choose to do, I also don't care, you know, because I understand that you've chosen to do that based on an educated opinion that comes from your contextual surroundings. And so, yeah, please, please talk more to the labels thing, because I think people really need to check themselves on the way that they label self and other and the way that we expect to be labeled. And me and Jesse are tiptoeing hard right now. <laughs> we are fucking pussyfooting around this subject. I think the labeling as a priority, uh, I think anything that separates or reverses integration of humanity and separates you from other and makes one side appear good and one side appear bad. I think that's the highest priority. I don't care so much whether you are pro-vax or anti-vax, if that's the analogy we're going with today. I don't really care. What I care about a lot is, are you preaching hate? Are you, are you, are you contributing to the amount of negativity in the world? If you're doing that, I mean, 
I'll probably, I'm, I'm not following you probably, or I'm never going to engage with the hate that you're putting out or the lack of integration that you're advertising as a result of whatever belief system it is. This is, the, and that's when it comes back to what I said before about priorities. That's for me the highest priority is the unity of humanity is number one. Integration of humanity, understanding emotions, understanding triggers, understanding and appreciating everybody for how they are. That's number 1.1, directly under number one. And trying to interact with your world in an integrative way. Yes. Does not involve labels of separation and division. It doesn't because we're not nouns, man. We're constantly changing. Yeah. Constantly. That's a human. That's what it means. Yes. I was a baby. Yeah. Now I'm a kid. Now I'm a teenager. Those are just nouns. They're just yeah. labels. But they're always evolving as we are. And so when you cling a noun to someone and unfortunately, if it perhaps follows them for the next 10 years, well, all the cells in their body have most likely changed in seven of those years later. They're not that person anymore. Mm. If they've been resisting change, maybe they are that person. Maybe they're stuck. But the noun isn't helping. And 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 it's a particularly dangerous if you're labeling yourself. Mm. Because, okay, here's something I'm going to also tiptoe around. Because, you know, let, let me just tiptoe a little bit less. Let me put the balls of my feet on the ground. Um, but <laughs> this this conversation could be had surrounding the gender pronoun situation and the dietary choice situation. And when you label yourself, particularly let's go in regards to the dietary situation, you are not honoring the part of yourself that is in flux. Depending on the seasons, depending on what phase of your life you're in, depending on your age, your level of physical activity, um, you know, you are going to crave different foods. You are going to grow and experience new perspectives. You are going to change your opinions. You're going, you're allowed to change your mind. And in terms of the game of life, again, stagnation will get you nowhere. You're trying to win. You can't stay on the same Monopoly square forever. What was that quote you said about still water? Still water breeds, breeds disease. disease. Like that. Yeah. Yes. And that's it. So, so, just binding yourself to a way of being is choosing stagnancy. And I am not saying that you shouldn't be one way or another. I'm saying don't define yourself or another based on those things. Cool. You're a vegan. Cool. You're a meat eater. That's great. Nobody has to know. Yeah. And as long, has to know. again, as long as you're not attacking yes. vegans and are not attacking meat eaters and meat is not attacking vegans, as long as the hate isn't a big problem. Obviously, a chocolate milkshake is never good for you in the same way that murdering someone's never a good idea. However, you shouldn't hate someone for wanting to eat a chocolate milkshake. And if someone wants to murder someone, well, you need to understand their upbringing and you need to understand yes. what has happened to them in, or in order for them to get there. Because what you'll find a lot of the time, if not every single time, is that the reason murder exists and happens is because of love. Yeah. Or should I say lack of? Mm. Lack of it. Because man, if you had enough love as a kid or for yourself or for humanity or f love full stop, full stop, well, you wouldn't have gone and done that. There's a, a quote from Buddha that says, when you love yourself, you can never hurt another. And so think about how lost you have to be and how isolated you have to feel and how unconnected from every single thing on earth you have to be in order to do something like that and, and that's a, that's a that's a curse in itself that's 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 hell and i think a good question to ask yourself when you start internally or you know hopefully not externally hating on another is and hating on their opinions and god forsake trying to change them is did anybody ever promote progressive change within you by hating on you? That doesn't work, does yeah. it? Yeah, have you ever been hated into making positive change? <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> it's not cohesive. Yeah. You can't do that to yourself. You can't do that to another. Mm. And this, this, to be honest, also is why I wanted to have this episode because the game of life, man, people are getting caught up and yeah. these labels are being thrown around, this division, this separation, this judgment, this hierarchy, this hierarchy of self over other does not exist. Because again, 
they ain't in the same game that we are. Yeah. Play your own fucking game, man. Stay in your lane for you and see how cohesive life becomes around you. What's interesting is when you said stay in your lane for you. Well, that implies to me purpose, right? What is your lane? Well, you have your own lane, right? You've been given your own lane to drive in. And so has everyone else. And what we were mentioning before about nouns and labeling, I think that's all a part of judgment. Judgment is the overarching category and labels are a subcategory. And when you judge somebody negatively, I believe it's because you're not in your lane. Because you'll find that if you were in your lane, you probably wouldn't have judged them because you wouldn't be so consumed with their things. And that's what I keep saying. You're getting caught up with their narrative. Mm -hmm. And then you're getting fixated Mm -hmm. about yourself. They're like that. Oh, I'm not like that. It's like, you're way too far in and out, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Stay in your lane. Not not inside your head. Not inside theirs. Stay in your lane. Um, So we're getting... we're, we're, We're edging closer and closer to our own path and purpose, that part of our discussion. But just before we get there all together, I'm going to throw another overarching term at you. I think there's a bigger one than judgment, which is Ooh. attachment. And this is where this, this conversation regarding, okay, so our life purpose is dictated by the things that we are passionate about. But I think a lot of people get confused between what they are passionate about and what they are attached to. I think a lot of people take a really firm stance and fight for a cause because they think they're passionate about it, which they are, but they don't realize that in that passion, they've gotten attached to it. They've gotten attached to the outcome. Why do you reckon that is? God damn it. I wasn't expecting that to be thrown back in my face. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I have an answer. (laughs) Yeah, no, please please share. Um, I think I have an answer, but I think it's that people tend to again, as I said before, need that communal feeling, need to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And if that means throwing hate at X group, well then fuck yeah, let's throw hate at them because that's what I am now and that's what I believe in and whatever, you know? I I think you're right. And so, you know, it stems from passion. Ooh, you know, I love this or um, I want to create positive change. And then you start running, I don't know, help making change work you know you start campaigning for something that you believe in and that starts to involve the other and then that passion somewhere along the way gets intermingled with other people's agendas and injustice and money and power and before you know it you're telling yourself that you're still doing what you were and are passionate about but it has turned into attachment because you think that what you are doing can impact someone else which is true but you are forgetting that the vital impact is the one that you have on you, right? I think we should always be driven by the impact that we have on ourselves, which is fine to do via the work that we do. Okay, I'm going to choose this work, but how does that sit within myself and my own being? You know, is, is hating on another, is hurting another, doing good or harm to me? And again, You can think that you're doing good for yourself, but if you're not quiet, if you're not present, if you're not aware and you're not listening, then you'll be missing all the cues and alarm bells from the body that are saying, hey, bitch, bring it back here. Do something good for yourself. Does that make sense? It does make sense, though I'm not sure where attachment comes into it. So if I understand you correctly, are you sort of saying that attachment means that you've gone too far in the judgment and you've associated yourself too heavily with X group or Y group and you've lost sight of your passion or you've you've skidded out of your lane? Let me give you a personal example, hopefully to help you understand. So this is how I would understand this. So I am pursuing um, higher education, university, um, stemming from my passion for the human body, anatomy and physiology movement. That's what I dig. Mm -hmm. But I am now currently presently in a state of deep burnout and I'm doing my work telling myself that I'm doing it because I'm super passionate about it which I am but there's also a little bit of desperation behind it now 
And there's this element of me that is clinging to high grades and being ahead. Like I'm still trying really desperately to be a week, a week ahead. Mm. And so there's this little neurosis that I've observed that is creeping in with the first few semesters of university, my passion drove it entirely. You know, I was sitting there learning my anatomy and physiology just because it was so interesting to me. I was drinking it up, Mm. but now I've got a subject that isn't super interesting to me. And so I'm trying to convince myself that it's still coming from my passion, but maybe I don't need to work as hard as I used to because that's not doing me good. When the passion is no longer driving me, it's the attachment to the outcome. Right, I see now. Does this make? Does that? Yeah. Can you see that? Though? I can see it now. So, yeah. it instead of instead of it being a want, I want to do this. I'm enjoying this. It becomes a I need to do this, and then you start yes. clinging tighter, and the sand just slips through your fingertips. Yeah. And now I'm not saying I should drop out of university. I'm saying that I need to shift my perspective, be a little more present, allow myself to slow down, understand the mechanisms at play, Mm -hmm. accept perhaps a less than ideal result, Mm -hmm. but trust that it is as it needs to be anyway. Exactly. You know, so I need to... Work as hard as you need to, but also your health comes first. You come first. And And don't uh, pretend that I can still keep functioning the way I was Mm. and so like not to always in flux like a regular human exactly not to make this about (laughs) myself but i think it's important to check yourself on passion versus attachment where are you getting Mm. too caught up and if you're starting to feel these overwhelming feelings of division separation hatred burnout denial dismissal that's Mm. when you need to check yourself like yo am i still holistically aligned with my passions or am i really fucking attached to some outcome that's very interesting. Yeah, I love that. Totally understand. Way to- no, I like how you connected that to judgment. And I'm actually curious. Do you see it as... Oh, and, I, and the judgment came in because I'm judging myself hard. Oh, okay. Like, bitch, you shit. <laughs> you shit. What do you mean you're not a week ahead? What's happening to you? Are you an average student now? Are you average? Is that- I'm like... Be wow, gentle like, with yourself. Yeah, man. I'm not. And I, and that's where I'm observing the self-hate and self-comparison. Yeah. And it's like, mm. okay, I get that I've been saying I'm playing this game against myself, but that's not, like I'm saying, you can't hate yourself into winning the game. You can't mm-hmm. hate yourself into making progressive change. And so I know I need to come at this from a place of love. So yeah. you can swing, you can turn everything back on yourself. And that's why I say, you know, when I start to compare myself to others around me, like, oh, you, I don't know, I don't know can't think of an example right now but that's also an opportunity to be like hey how am i treating myself Mm. i love how you phrased that because when you began speaking you said it as if attachment was the category above judgment and i can actually i didn't agree with you but now that you've explained that i actually can see how you see it that way and i can understand how it works and i'm sure i've thought about it thought about it and even acted upon it in that way before and it's a really beautiful way to see so attachment comes first then judgment and then labeling and then then division separation hatred so it's an interesting order i more of the time tend to have judgment first which could turn into attachment but but is it doesn't really matter because it's the same things is judgment not getting attached to your own point of view your own rigidity in terms of the way you see the world? That's one way to, to perceive judgment. But attachment is being super fixed on something, on X outcome, which I believe starts with a judgment. I, for example, let's say I'm an alcoholic. Oh, I'm not feeling so good. I, I guess I guess a drink would help me. Yeah, I guess I could go with a drink. Well, you're saying that the attachment comes first. But to me, there was a judgment there. I'm not feeling so good. Yeah, I, I guess I could go for X substance. The judgment was X will help me. But the attachment is the motivator. I don't think X will help me as a judgment. It's an attachment. You're right. It's, 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 a, good, it's a good point. Probably a bad analogy. I just do believe that the analogy would exist the other way around as well. Probably bad to come at it from the perspective of addiction, which pretty much is attachment. Yeah. <laughs> so, See, this is take it, take it, actually take it this way. If you're comparing your physical beauty to someone else's, you, the first thing you'll do is judge them. And then you said before that because you, that comes from an attachment to beauty via separation, right? Your or attachment you're, to the physical plane. Yeah, to the material, exactly material. attachment to materialism. That is riveting. Yeah, I. Thanks think, for teaching me that. that. I mean, you've put it in such an eloquent way. I just love it. Thanks. It's just so fascinating to think that 
Judgment is the subcategory underneath attachment. And as you've now given me that fresh understanding, I am now starting to make more sense of a lot of the Buddhist quotes where they put so much weight on attachment. Yes. And it's beautiful. That's why non-attachment is such a thing. Yeah. And, and that's it. You're getting caught up. Don't get caught up. That's attachment. <laughs> Do not get yeah. caught up. And so the thing about attachment is it happens to all of us and it's almost inevitable at times because we do operate under this real limited linear concept of time where time is moving forwards and we are going somewhere and we have a limited amount of time to work with and we have to get somewhere, okay? And then it comes back to our game analogy. I'm trying to win this game. And that can get desperate at times because we mm. feel like time is running out. We're getting younger. Every We're getting younger. We're getting older. <laughs> Everyone else, like I wish. No, I don't actually wish. I love it. I love, I love the way things are. Um, you know, everyone else is progressing around us. We get attached to all of these sort of things that we think is going on. But there's also this element of, man, if you're the only player in your own fucking game, then you can't help but win. <laughs> you know? And I think we forget yeah. that. Like, like if you're the only one playing, you can roll the dice as many times as you fucking want, man. You're mm. going to get there. Mm. And so I think that's that's why this, this game analogy, this is where you can start to find the humor in it, man. Because when you start to get caught up and you start to get attached and you go through the pendulum swing you where you fixate on the other and then you fixate on the self and you realize you've lost yourself through all of it and then you slow down and you quieten and you come back to yourself and you see the greater mechanisms at play and you realign yourself with your path and you realize, oh, what? Where the fuck have I been? Man, where the fuck have I been? I needed to be here the whole time, which is right here seemingly going nowhere but making all the progress in this moment. Mm. And, And this is where I think playing the game Having fun and adopting a humorous approach is so necessary because you know what I love about humor and comedy, man? Like it's it's dark and it's twisted and we can have a good laugh at it, right? But it's also funny and hilarious and enlightening and we can have a good laugh at that too. And I think, a, a, you know, look at everything with a little sparkle in your eye. Look at all the best mm. of it and look at all the twisted, most fucked up aspects of it and and I think that the most enlightened beings, I think this is the beauty of the the laughing Buddha, mm. is he gets it. He sees, ah, oh, this is all a facade, man. It's all an just, a, it's an illusion. It's all appearances. It's all apparent. It's all things that are outside us. But in the grand scheme of things, we can only really live out our own very personal reality. Mm. That's the only one that matters. So just let it all be light. And float away like balloons into the sky. Let it all just (laughs) clear away from your path until it's you and life and make sweet, sweet love to it. Mm. I've always loved the laughing Buddha one. And every time I see a Buddha, I always have a little giggle myself. Because I remember hearing Alan Watts say something along the lines of, did you ever think about why the Buddha was laughing? He was inviting, it it was ominous, it was... Every time you looked at him, if you were a critical thinker, you'd think, well, what's he laughing at? Why is he laughing? And what Alan Watts said is that he never tells you. Yeah. He wants you to go figure it out for yourself. And it's enlightenment, really. Is, is A lot of the great sages, yogis, uh, amazing lecturers and philo- philosophers of history that I love personally – they always had an element of humor about yeah. them because they understood that cheeky. they understood the game yeah. and they understood that it wasn't something to grip so tightly to. And there's this modern, um, definitely Western model of death, which makes you cling tightly to it. Because when you're dead, you're dead and that's it, right? So it almost seems like that's losing the game when in reality they knew that all along that was winning. That was winning, yeah. right? And so... Obviously, you can discuss reincarnation, you can discuss the evolution of the soul, but without saying that, the yogis and the gurus, they they all know the answer to all those things, and, and they find it funny how people are getting so caught up, and they also have found beauty and, and joy in everything. When you stop getting caught up, 
you start to watch how other people get caught up. And it really is mm. humorous. Yes. But, and if you start to look into... Not, not, in, a, uh, not in a condescending way. Yeah, like, ha, ha you that, dumb that was, fucks. Because that was you. Yeah, that was you. That was you. You see That's them as ex- mirrors, right? Exactly. And, and, mm. they're, and, and so when you start to think about these gurus and these yogis, when they're teaching their students, their initiates... They're fucking with their heads their whole time, <laughs> oh my man. God, yes. Story after story of these fucking evil gurus. And you'll hear <laughs> the initiates being like, like cursing them, you know? How dare you? How the fuck could he do this to me? How could he make me count these grains of rice? But then once the <laughs> lessons come through, they can't help but laugh, you know? And and there's this real chaotically lighthearted, humorous approach to it. There's this mm. evil, cheeky, sneaky, hilarious, enlightened thing going on. And and to get a little bit more intangible and esoteric, when you go into a state of flow and life really starts talking to you, and, and I'm talking, you know, for those of you who are in it, who are on it, who get it when you have those bouts of time where the world really fucking talks back. Mm. Is that not a humorous time where you will just see signs pop up in front of you that are just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like the universe deliberately answered your question. Yes. And, and it'll, it'll, and every time you start to get caught up, it'll pop in again just to be Mm. like, Hey bitch, see what's happening. And hello, you there? Yeah. Like it'll (laughs) shake you up. It'll knock on your head and, Mm. And yeah, like when you start to get these glimpses beyond the veil, you you start to have fun and experience this joy and pleasure that you mm. realize is innately a part of how you play the game and how you win. You mm. can't take it too seriously because that means you're getting attached and the whole damn cycle will start all over again. Mm. Just to add to the humor element of it, um, you've reminded me about the koan which is something they do in zen buddhism where a guru will give his disciple a sentence or phrase it's almost like kind of like a sick riddle (laughs) it's designed to drive them crazy yeah but through that it teaches them insane amounts of presence it teaches them the idea that their mind can race constantly trying to figure out the answer, but also how do I turn this off? I got to go to bed now. I got to be up in three hours. I got to turn this shit off, you know? So it drives them completely mad for X amount of time. And a lot of the time um, they're looking for a very specific answer, which is uh, quite intangible. It's, it's one of the co-ones I remember, uh, I think it was Alan Watts mentioning in one of his lectures is one of the disciples were instructed to hear the sound of their left hand. Yeah, you heard that yeah, one? yeah I've heard that <laughs> so one. So it's obviously a, a paradox, right? But but every time the disciple would come back and give him some kind of answer, the guru will do things to 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 make him feel stupid. And again, in the overarching picture, shattering the ego. Yeah. Because if you're coming at it with ego, well, you've got the wrong idea. So And the game of life is the question, right? And the, the disciple's mm. trying to figure it out desperately. Yeah. He's trying to think about it critically. He's trying yeah. to find the yeah. way to find the answer. <laughs> yeah. But when he softens and surrenders and yeah. sees the humor behind it all, then it gets played and he finds the answer. That's it. That's yeah. it. It's just a cool analogy and it ad- helps you add to the lighthearted nature yeah. of going through life. Yeah. And so, you know, I... I understand that there are people in this world who almost have to fight these wars. They have to play these games. But I really urge you to to take time to dedicate your life to practicing the art of not getting caught up. It's a lifelong practice sometimes. It as well. is a lifelong practice, and that's why you should do it alongside anything that you do Mm. because inevitably when we're ambitious human beings and we do want to create epic things and make huge changes and stuff like that um we work ourselves to the bone and it's just not sustainable but if you can maintain a practice that is clarifying alongside all of that then there's so much less of a struggle through all that yeah. you do way less suffering yeah way less suffering for everyone involved yeah it's interesting to think about all the things you love most on this in the 
in your body right now. Everything you love about the world and about the universe is going to not exist at some point. Like, for example, you love your parents with all your heart, hopefully. Then uh, you they're going to die one day. You love your kids. You love your car. You love your... This is your favorite band. And you love them. Well, they're all going to die. Everything's going to pass. Everything will pass. And the clinging part is the part that really, you know, as you said, de- develops a practice or a state of mind that allows you to not be attached and, and step away from things. That is really the key. Yeah. Because understanding that everything is, is transient is absolutely imperative to your happiness. And that's why coming away and developing and sustaining this practice of, of obtaining clarity that allows you to stay on your path and not get painfully caught up in the narratives of your world will do you a lot of good because I'm not saying that you won't grieve and that you won't feel it. You'll fucking feel it, man. But you want to be able to be with yourself fully through whatever you are going through without having to worry about what it looks like to anybody else but you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Any unnecessary, what will he think? What will she think? What should I do? What should I be doing? Am I doing this right? Mm. As long as you can sit with yourself and reflect, you know, every morning, every night, whatever it is. As long as you can come back to that place of I'm me. This is me, right? I'm here. This is happening. I'm okay. This is a part of my narrative. I just have to ride this out and understand why it's happening the way it is. And then appreciate it. Appreciate it because, <laughs> because you know, there's that quote, I don't know how to say it, but it's not happening to you. It's happening for, for you. you. Yeah. Because if the game's all about you, man, then what, what context is trying, what, what context is being provided within every experience that you have? Mm. How is it helping you progress and live a more rich and fulfilling experience? If you don't go through the suffering, you won't know how deeply you can love, how deeply you should love Mm. and all of that type of stuff. Yeah. So that being said, let's recommend some stuff for them, should we, Danny? Yeah, I'd love to start off with something that I've been doing um, almost every day, almost, almost every day for uh, two to three months now. I have been using the Waking Up app by Sam Harris guided meditations I've been meditating for years but man guided meditations bring you back because I've been meditating for years and then I started working with these guided meditations and I'm like fuck where have I been man I've just been walking away I've been sitting down closing my eyes and walking away in my head so Sam Harris has a really beautiful grounded simple practical way of keeping you in the moment Um, You can do a 30, I think it's like a 20 day course or something. And then you can pay for the app. He's got student subscriptions. He's got paid subscriptions. And if you can't afford them, shoot them, can't afford it. You shoot them an email and they'll give you the app for free. But there's so many resources. It's like a database of, it's a database for the exploration of consciousness Mm. in its simplest form. And I highly recommend it alongside anything else that you do in your life. And then we have um, some incredible gurus that have taught us a lot, Jesse. Yeah. Um, Before I get into that, actually, just quickly on the Sam Harris app thing. Oh, yeah. I was listening to a lecture by, I forget, was a very famous yogi. And he said that the best way to break your habits of mind was to meditate at the same time every day. And I've seen you do that. Yeah. With this app, and yeah. I, I've seen some tremendous results in terms of your focus, your clarity, and your just happiness. <laughs> well, actually, I've only ever meditated in the morning. All of, my morning routine and ritual is everything to the mm. point where if I miss that morning window, I just won't try to meditate for the rest of the day. And you mm. could see that as a problem, but it kind of works for me. I'm like, cool, missed it. Tomorrow's the next window. I'll do it then. Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, that, that structure surrounding that space mm. does a lot, I cool. think. Cool. Yeah. Um, one app that I use for meditation is called Insight Timer. Uh, that's I-N-S-I-G-H-T and Timer. And uh, it's a free app, but there are paid guided meditations on there. I just use the free one. Um, I often have 
guided meditations on my computer from various sources and collecting for years. But the Sam Harris app, I'm going to get into that one day because it looks so good. And, and I've heard and done some of these meditations and they're always unique yeah. and interesting. And like you said, the database of consciousness. I love it. It's very grounding too. And he's got little podcast episodes on there. He's got little courses. You can do meta meditations with a, which are focused on loving kindness, or you can do mm. just plain old observing your tendencies it's just very grounding practical and stuff. functional i think yeah <laughs> that's good stuff speaking of meditation and moving into presence my favorite book is the power of now by eckhart tolle god i've read that so many times and i'll be reading it so many more because it's so dense and so powerful and it's something that i no matter how many times I read it, I still believe I'll always be learning something new. There's so much to unpack in that one. And that book has been a part of a series of gurus who have changed my life, you know, indirectly in the most beautiful way possible. So cannot recommend that enough. And, um, it, and I know you've heard that recommendation before, but there's a reason that it's recommended over mm. and over. And <laughs> t- truth be told, I've started that book three, four times. I've never finished it. And that's why I'm such a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. But um, it, it is profound. Absolutely. I'm just not present enough to stick with it. <laughs> I don't know about that. No, I'm joking. I totally recommend it for <laughs> anyone. Um, one more thing, actually, and this was the first guru that I ever was introduced to um, through, I believe it was audiobook or MP3 format. This was the one who, who there was maybe a, a crack open in my consciousness and this one just busted open the whole door, kicked it right down and opened me up to a world of new, awesome ways of being and allowed for personal, physical transformation. And, and if you've listened to our episode, To Rock Bottom and Beyond, uh, I don't think I shared too much about my rock bottom, but this guru came to me, was um, passed on to me at, after my rock bottom, and that was Ramdas or Richard Alpert, as he's known. Um, and his attachments and addiction, attachments and addictions lecture. Again, listen to that so many times. Still, would be unpacking it for life, and is one of the most riveting listens for anyone. Not even people who are addicted to stuff, just anyone. I believe there's so much to unpack there that you wouldn't even realize that you're attached to or addicted to without knowing. I second that recommendation (laughs) so hard. That listen did so much for me. Really don't think that it's got anything to do with addiction in the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. Give it a listen. It's an essential listen. Ramdas is phenomenal. You know, he's a man of science. He's a fucking spiritualist at the core. He has integrated both of these sides of himself so holistically. And he just drops line after line that will shatter you in the best way. And you'll just see all of these, you know, beautifully, preciously twisted human tendencies that you are so attached to and intermingled with that, you know, sometimes you need an outside voice to come in and just be like, Hey, you've got some egg yolk on your face, um, <laughs> which I didn't do for Jesse earlier. You did not. No, uh, I didn't. Pretty but annoying. Yeah, but sometimes you need someone to, ha- you know, to yeah, tell to you, tell hey. you that. And when they don't, it's quite frustrating. Yeah, they, they and totally they have just the can't power know. To. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes people choose not to, that's, just to fuck with you. That's true, and that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen to attachments and addictions. Oh yeah. Jesse, you have one more. Yeah. So the next one is by Anthony DeMello. That's Anthony and DeMello is spelled D-E-M-E-L-L-O. He is amazing. Now, the one I'll be recommending to you today is Awareness or the Awareness Lectures. They're actually comical and enlightening. They're comically enlightening. Mm -hmm. And I've come back to these many, 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 many times. And they continue to help me and... Even today, I got a little giggle out of them just skimming through it in preparation for this episode, and I love that so much. Also, if you are interested, um, seeing as we spoke so much about appreciation and understanding, he has a book called The Way to Love, which was, it was the last of his meditations before he passed. And that book, 
is incredible. Even just the first one or two pages will change your life. So yeah, the way to love and awareness, which is key. Beautiful. I've never actually um, engaged with either of those, but Jesse played me a very short snippet of Anthony DeMello's awareness. And it was like, it was the hilarious, divine, cosmic, cheeky guru, light of life type of energy that we're talking about. It was Mm. really beautiful. So I'd love to get into that as well. Yeah. So now that you know that you're playing the game of life, remember, enjoy Take it slow, don't get caught up, and there's no way you can lose. 